Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Alrighty, I swear this time it's showtime. I swear this time people can hear us. <laughs> uh, we are live, March fourteenth, year twenty twenty one of our uh, Lord and Savior uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, he is dying on the proverbial cross at Chelsea for our sins, <laughs> only to be resurrected maybe during the summer transfer window. Uh, yeah, uh, listeners, we uh, sorry for keeping you waiting. We. Uh, we were streaming to the wrong YouTube live stream for the last 15 minutes, and I. Well done, Jake. I'm running to I'm running a laptop that's recording the show, so we can put this up in podcast form, so it's available tomorrow morning. And uh, I'm looking, I'm like, it's not picking up any wavelengths. About five minutes into our recording, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I noticed that I picked the wrong, uh, wrong link basically to stream to. So now we are streaming to the correct link, and uh, we are here. So again. Apologize for that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod, at Stephen Jodorand, at JJ Post, at Jake Petroba, and at Justin Sosa99. He will not be here tonight, though. Uh, and make sure, I, again, this is a, kind of a weird thing. Uh, you know, If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, make sure you leave yeah. a like or hit, hit that like button as well and leave a comment. We always appreciate those. So, uh, boys, uh, here we are. Sunday we took last weekend. Last uh, weekend off and uh, JJ I believe this is kind of your favorite time of the year correct it's March is, is, is March the best sports month uh, if you're going to look at the calendar is March the best month for sports it has an argument I'd say in a normal year but you know this year I mm. think it's a little weaker because you know the postponement of some of the major leagues you know baseball is not coming like usually you get a little inkling and in, like the you know at least you get the start of the season like March 31st ish you know you don't get that this year MLS you did not come back till you know solidly April May. So I think in a in a normal year it has an argument because you got you know the spring sports kicking off as well as of course March Madness in full spring. But even without you know MLB MLS coming back, I think March Madness does carry some significant weight. You know just the sheer amount of games you get in a such a short amount of time. It's a you know a really fun event just because of the uh, obviously the bracketology you know everyone wants to compete everyone wants to have their you know best bracket out there so uh, there's a lot of rooting interest even if your team you know doesn't make the tournament and it's just a very fun event overall in terms of you know some fans some people like to go to all the games obviously this year's a little different in that case but you know the, you know I know people that will travel the country to see their favorite team play if they keep on advancing and it's just an event like unlike any other in you know college sports uh, just the size of it and I think, you know, it's really quite the spectacle, which is why it's still, even without professional sports, one of the best sporting months, if not perhaps the best, because there are some very good months when there's everything going on. And, you know, you just got to sit back and enjoy the fact that everybody's playing. OK, uh, off the top. of OK, I'm going to put you both under the gun here. Uh, we'll do top three, uh, top three sports months in the year. You, get, you know, one, two, three. Yeah, there's there's the top sports how, months of the year. How am I how am I supposed to know that? This is easy. I mean, March is it's one. Definitely not July. No, it's definitely that. not July. It's like March, October, and then at that point, I think you could February. say it's February, January, February. January. Yeah, January, February. Dark Those horse. Two. Dark horse. November. You have Thanksgiving football, which is like you know, as far as regular season football goes, the best. You know, because yeah, you because you, you love watching the Cowboys lose because you're a Giants fan. You love watching the Cowboys yes. lose on Thanksgiving, and you also hate get, the Detroit Lions the for some weird reason. If, if you get the World Series, if it's a long World Series, you get you know MLS playoffs. You know, you, there's a it's it's probably not a top three month, but I feel like for being underrated. Kind of like, for being the precursor to Christmas, which is kind of what November is known as, it's got a lot of good sporting events going for it. Uh, listeners uh, in the chat, let us know what your favorite uh, or you know top three, whatever you want to go with, uh, sports months. I mean, Stephen, what about it for you? Is it is it? You're not much of a college guy. You don't like college. No, I'm athletics. not. I mean, so I don't think March be, is exciting. Jan- for you. It used to be January, February, because that's when the Patriots would be playing their most important <laughs> games. But <laughs> with Cam Newton resigned, I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the summer hasn't months cold yet and you're already uh, ripping them. Was it say? I say said again? The, the, the body hasn't even gone cold yet and you're already ripping them still. You know, oh, no. Not... If Cam Newton's our starter, I'm out. I'm 
Well, he is your starter. Who, they didn't give him that contract to then cut him th- three months later. Well, the money the money's very cheap, though, apparently. So maybe there's that silver lining, that the money isn't as bad as people make out to believe. But be that as it may, I do think the summer in June, July, it depends on what sports you, you genuinely like. Because I think internationally, there's some interesting stuff. you got F1. Well, that's kind of a yearly thing, but F1's always good. Tour de France, I'm a big tour de guy. That's three weeks of every morning there's something to be watching. You're so European. <laughs> Not kidding, though. I love I love the Tour de France. I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, obviously, when you got the World Cup or the European Championships, those those are all fantastic. Uh, um, but gold, gold Cup? Uh, come on. Copa America, which, you know, I think, I don't know why the, the, uh, the Confederation... Uh, the re Conable and, and Concacaf haven't said let's just make this an annual uh, every four year thing with both regions. I think that would be fantastic. You host it. I don't care where you host it, but it'd be great for us. And now, guess what? We generally have a U.S. men's national team worth investing. We have talented players. I don't know if you could have said that five years ago, but now is officially. I'm I'm putting it on the map. If uh, you can no longer be a uh, a, a U.S. men's national team bandwagon. You either are on the bandwagon, uh, you're either on the train or you're not, and you better be on the train and can continue on. Because I do not want this nonsense every three or four years with the U.S. men's national team people just jumping on because there are players worth investing in and watching. It is unbelievable the amount of talent that has just been spread across Europe in a short couple of years. Uh, yeah, and before we kind of get into the national team, because we're going to talk a lot of Nats abroad, I'd you two are uh, the Arsenal fans in this podcast. Uh, big day uh, for your uh, for your Gooners. <laughs> uh, was it uh, was it two one? Yeah, two one. Yeah, we're, we're uh, what was the panic level after the uh, Eric Lamella Rabona that uh, where you're like, oh bleep, we're. Uh, no, I didn't have any panic. I thought we we're just gonna lose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're just know, used exactly. to it. Yeah. You're just used to it at this point. It doesn't even yeah. matter. It doesn't you know, phase you. You're just like, oh, well. yeah, whatever. We played. We we had uh, what thirty minutes of. Cross hitting the crossbar, and then you know we're we're on the front foot. Then we go behind. Like okay, good. We we played solid for thirty minutes. That's that's what was expected. And now we can pack our bags and go home. Um, and then oh, keep keep sorry, Jay. No, I mean like I was at I was in the downtown. I was in Madison, you know, at the because I was my dorm doesn't really have a communal TV where I can watch the game. So I went to downtown Madison, you know, tavern or wherever to watch the game. You know, there's a guy in a Spurs jersey next to me. Hey, what do you think the score's gonna be? I'm like three nothing Spurs. I mean, at this point, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I expect nothing from this team, and you know, if that way, if anything happens, I'm happy. And, and they benched Obama exactly Yang today too. Today. And they benched Obama no, Yang today. No Obama Yang. The team's in crisis, and look at that. We pull out our biggest result so far of the you know the month. So cancer. This team makes no back. sense, and we should stop expecting it to. Uh, not only was <laughs> North London Derby was the big one today. Uh, also Super Classico, also today, and the uh, Classico Nacional. Any any interest in either of those from you two? You know, I'm not gonna lie. I did not watch much soccer this weekend. Wow. How <laughs> how do you expect us? To I watched. I how watched do you a expect us F- to do a a, a soccer centric no. podcast slash YouTube That's show right true. now? And then say, I, mean, the, the I didn't watch anything today, now. so uh, whatever. So all right. So Stephen's gonna be riding by the seat of his pants for the rest of the show. Uh, that's great to know. Anyway, uh, I'm just uh, Jake. I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. F1 starting. Aren't you excited? That's what two weeks from now. Well, you had. Uh, uh, they had their uh, preseason running the last three days. Lots I, of interest. I, I think it's going to be a much more interesting I, season. I don't, I don't uh, Mercedes seems to be struggling a little bit. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Let me. I. You if, know you're going to be watching. I'll watch the it. I'll watch it, and then I'm, then when I quickly realize it's uh, Hamilton, Botas finishing one two, and then it's Max Verstappen and whoever else trying to finish third, and like okay. It, well, it lost people really quick. All I'm going to say is Red Bull till I die. That's all. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> that's my team. Go. That's my... Before we get to today's episode, which we're talking about Manat's Bras, the Olympic qualifying team, and some MLS betting odds, I do want to say League A continues to be probably very intriguing. You got PSG right now in the Champions League who look a favorite. Like, they could they could win it. Wouldn't surprise me if they win it. They're second in the league. They, they just dropped, dropped points. Yeah. Lille's in first. Lyon's tied with PSG for second. Like, maybe, maybe they don't win the league, but if they win the Champions League, isn't it a successful season for PSG? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it has to be. So, I mean, it's Ligue 1. Who cares? No, no one, no one cares. 
No one. Just and, wait and, until, and, and you've dominated that league. It's like just, uh, just wait until. Um, it's like Steven, You don't. You don't sell as a as a Patriots fan. And we'll take it back to the Pats. You don't. You don't celebrate AFC East championships. You don't care. No, you're no, like, no. oh, we won the AFC East. Like, yeah, you're supposed to. You play against the Jets and the Dolphins and the Bills every year. Like, what the hell? Like, we're about to have the strongest division with the best quarterbacks. And yeah, and that's then true. Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. How dare you? Well, no, 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 no. We're gonna have Sean Watson's in Miami. You got uh, or he's in, or he's in New York. Or he's in New York, and then it's Tua in Miami. Russell Wilson's gonna be in New York. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. I'm. <laughs> I mean, like, 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 I look at that uh, from you know, like a Patriots perspective or a team that dominates uh, like a division. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, you won league on. Who, who cares? When you play the big boys in Europe, you this is uh, you know, we keep it clean here. You, uh, you, you, you know, you bleep the bed. I do think it'd be a pretty entertaining kind of reversal of the common PSG narrative that like, oh, well, they walk, lock, they walk Ligue 1, but, you know, the, once they get to the Champions League, they can't hack it. Mm-hmm. It'd be a pretty interesting kind of change of events if they were to win the Champions League, but end up, you know, finishing second to a Lille in the Ligue 1. You know, you lose out on your domestic, you know, to use the common parlance Farmers League, and mm-hmm. then you go up against the best of the best and win that. You know, it would make no sense, but it would be very interesting to say, to say the least. Yeah, I I think what I want to see is them not win league on cuz I just don't I don't know. I just this is my issue. Me, with, this is my issue with European soccer right now. It's this and this is what 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 is making Serie A great is that at least this year it's the same damn teams that win it every single year and it gets boring after a while. It's like, Oh, I, I saw people like, Oh, Juventus won't get to do the, you know, whatever the hell uh, they won't get their 10th win. They won't get to dominate the decade or whatever. This I saw, I saw someone basically write that. I'm like, Oh no, Juventus didn't win, <laughs> win the 10th title in a row or whatever the hell it was. Like this I think is that was Celtic. Was it Celtic? That was going for 10 in a row. Maybe it was Celtic. That's, Scotland, and I, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause the Rangers won. That maybe that's who I'm confusing. Unfortunate. With. And it's like, and who cares about the Scottish premiership? It's worse than MLS. Um, outside of, I mean, maybe you can make an argument that Celtics may be better than most MLS teams, or I guess... I will yeah, give it to the Scottish Premier League. The fact that it's a proxy war for religion does give it a bit more kick than a lot of leagues. Yeah, that's what makes... Actual, actual, in terms of actual quality, it's just, you know, no. Yeah, I'm mother, not you're not a big motherview guy, whatever the hell they're called? Or I'm, I'm a Celtic fan because I'm a Catholic, <laughs> and I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I, as an Irish Catholic, I feel like it's my responsibility to root for Celtic. But, like, I don't actually, you know, if unless it's the old firm, I'm not actually going to watch a Celtic game. But, but you know, Jake, you, you do raise an interesting point. And maybe for some people, this is the big appeal MLS. But I think MLS just lacks the quality. Like you have the quote-unquote unexpectedness of MLS, especially with the playoffs. But I'm sorry, this year, European football, apart from the Bundesliga and the Premier League, the two leagues that have dominated TV viewership, in my eyes, Liga, Serie A, and La Liga, are all must-watch all must watch at the moment. You have Lille, PSG, and Lyon fighting it out in France. Syria, for the moment, Inter is kind of walking away with it. But still, I think it's fascinating to see Ibrahimovic with AC Milan, Juventus struggle with Ronaldo after being kicked out of the Champions League. There's, in La Liga, you got Athletic athletic at the top, but Real Madrid and Barcelona slowly inching their way closer where it becomes a three-horse race. European soccer, I think... Hopefully there is a little bit more of a, you know, spread the wealth type deal with some of these winners of these leagues, and it, and it makes it a little bit more interesting. I think the Premier League right now is is kind of boring to watch. The uh, bottom of the Premier League table is more interesting to watch than the top. I mean, outside of you trying yep. to figure out if it's going to be Everton, West Ham, or Chelsea to get that final Champions League spot. I mean, outside of that, there's really no reason to watch the the Premier League. I mean. I agree. I mean, the city match yesterday against Fulham, I guess, was probably worth watching because Fulham has been. I think they've had a good run of form recently, um, and they're battling. They're trying to get out of that uh, relegation zone uh, spot. They're 18th uh, in the table, but yeah, there's no reason to watch any of those leagues over there unless there's Americans playing. And Christian Pulisic's not playing, and um, we're we all don't like Anthony Robinson on this podcast, so. I don't know what else, what other reason you'd, you'd have to watch the uh, Premier League right now. I think that's a good time to talk about Christian Pulisic, huh? Yes. Take it away there, Steven. Yeah, well, question of the day. You know, Christian Pulisic's, Christian Pulisic's 
current run of form with Chelsea. Let's just let before we get to the question of the day, how would you describe Christian Pulisic's run of form with Chelsea Football Club at the moment? It's non-existent because he doesn't play, except for today or Saturday he started. But before then, it doesn't. He he doesn't play. I mean, look, I mean, look. Since Tuchel has taken over, he's managed one thousand eighty minutes at Chelsea. Christian Pulisic has played in just two hundred seventy-five of those minutes. That's twenty-five percent. So how can you say he's in a bad run of form or a good run of form when it's like he's played a quarter of the time that Tuchel has been at the helm? I mean, like, I don't know. Look, I mean, JJ, like, what, do you, what about you? What do you What do you think? Honestly, you know. I've that, the, the big takeaway here was the way Tuchel defended it. He's like, yeah, well, I know how good Christian is in a super sub role. I did use him at Dortmund, so it's been... Um, that is the mo- it, It's just objectively funny the way he, like... He, that, that is somehow more disrespectful than if he had said, like, oh, yeah, no, I, you know, we, he, he needs to be better unless he, you know, really steps up and training rock and play him. Don't say you know he's a good super sub in Dortmund, so you want to use him in that role, because what is he playing, five minutes a game? You know, he's usually making those, like, ten-minute cameos at the end. Like, it's clear that unless something changes, which it could, it has, you know, in players' careers, it has in Pulisic's careers, it's clear that Pulisic is going to struggle to get minutes. And the question then becomes, does Pulisic adapt adapt as a player and, you know, maybe find himself more in that inside forward role that Warner's kind of been occupying and beat out Warner for that role? Or does he perhaps push himself back, become a wingback? We have been looking for a left back. You know, maybe Pulisic's the answer. Um, uh and then the question, the other option, of course, becomes, you know, does he leave? Personally, I don't think this is, you know, I, I think there's alarms going off. But I don't think this is you have to hit the emergency exit. You know, he's got to leave. He's got to get out. I don't want to be that reactionary yet because, you know, sometimes it takes a while for a player to reestablish himself. Sometimes it takes a while for a player to reinvent himself. You know, I, it's been 10, 10-ish games under Tuchel. You know, it's not time to be shouting out the door. But if the right offer comes... And I hope it does because, you know, I do think, you know, I'd objectively rather have Pulisic be on a team that values him for who he is. If that offer does come, I don't think you have, if you're Christian, you're declining it either. I don't think you need to stay at Chelsea. The question becomes, is there a team that's going to be willing to pay that price? Because it's probably going to be a premium given that Chelsea paid a lot of money for him and they're not really a selling club. You know, you're probably going to have to pay either equal value or, you know, close to it. So unless that team comes along, I think he's got to stay at Chelsea. And I think the question then becomes, does he reinvent himself as a player or does he get way better at what he's doing at right now? Yeah, I mean, Pulisic, one assist in eight games under Thomas Tuchel, one start. It's uh, what I find interesting is Christian Pulisic doesn't really have much leverage in the situation, right? If now Chelsea could put him out on loan, and then there's probably some more leverage. Chelsea, uh, Pulisic might be given more of a direction of where he wants to go. According to the Daily Mail, Liverpool, United, and Bayern Munich are all keeping an eye on Pulisic, and I, I think those would be interesting and intriguing clubs. But with Liverpool and Man United and Bayern Munich, these are all world class clubs. Does he also get lost in the same situation if if a manager well, you know leaves? There's, but there's, but an, there's an interesting situation with the Bayern Munich link because I did see a rumor today. I think it was Nicholas Mendola uh, with NBC Sports who mentioned that there is a possibility of Kingsley Coman going to Chelsea. And hmm. I don't know how these swaps would work. Do you do? Is it a trade? Is that how this works? We'll give you Pulisic. We'll take Kamal. Yeah, I mean, and then whatever, whatever the common, money needs but... to be worked out there. I, mean, I feel it, like they wouldn't call it a trade, but in effect, it's the same thing. Did, like did when, United uh, do that with Alexa with Alexis Sanchez and Mkhitaryan yes. or something like that? Yeah, yep. yeah. It, it was like a straight you know, up trade. Ev- ironically, it was an everyone loses deal. You know, because like, <laughs> yeah. like you you think about trades, like wow, you know, both teams really got something out of it that you know helped them. I I'm trying to think like a good example. You know, I'll, I'll probably have to go to American sports. But, like, you look at the Stefan Diggs-Vikings-Bills trade last year. The Vikings get it, got a lot younger. They got a really young star in that position with Justin Jefferson. The Bills got the win-now player they need with Stefan Diggs. Both Jefferson and Diggs had really good seasons, and the Bills and Vikings both have better options than they did when they had each individual player. You know, the opposite of that would be the Mkhitaryan-Sanchez swap, where Arsenal need to get Sanchez off the books. He wanted to go to United, and United said, well, we don't want to pay you, so here, have our backup winger. And Sanchez was terrible. Mkhitaryan was, he was a, he was 
fine for, you know, a solid, you know, month stretch. But then, you know, kind of the next season came around and it was pretty clear that he is, you know, he, he had deteriorated or he was just, you know, showing some bad form in the first uh, half of the season. And he just kind of disappeared in terms of relevance in that squad. So, you know, in the end of the day, you know, both teams kind of got the player they wanted, but not the, you know, the performance they wanted. It's interesting that Alexis Sanchez intro video for Man United is still one of the all-time greats where he's playing on the piano. The uh, glory, glory, Man United. I still one of my favorites. I completely forgot that he had played for Manchester United. And on top of that, they both also kind of refound their form in Serie A. Yeah. I don't know. I, I personally think Christian Pulisic should go to Serie A. You got Weston McKenney, who's, again, the best U.S. men's national team player in form right now. Why not go down there? It seems like Serie A is, is waving the red, white, and blue. Why not go make some some dough? And, uh, yeah, I mean— Think about it. The 90s, Serie A was at the top, and a lot of Americans looked, or you know, Alexi Lawless was was a big name in for U.S. soccer in going to Serie A, which was known at the top was at the top of of club football. Yeah, and I just, I, for me, it's hard to envision now. Like, I mean, this weekend he started at wing back. Okay, it's like, why is he playing at wing back? And on the right, I believe he was starting on the right-hand side, too. He wasn't even on the left-hand side. So Tuchel's such, Tuchel's such a talented coach that he's trying to solve the American <laughs> fullback issues while not coaching the American national team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. We appreciate that. Know, some people are playing checkers. Others are playing Which, 4D chess. That's Thomas Tuchel. Underwater yeah, back, I, I, I think uh, I think Serie A would make a lot of sense, whether it's AC Milan or Inter Milan or... Even Juventus, I mean, mean, who's to say that Ronaldo doesn't leave Juventus after this season? I don't think he does, but who's to say he doesn't leave for, I don't know what. Yes. CP goes to Real Madrid. I've said that for two years now. Hazard's on his way, gets dropped. Bring in in Christian Pulisic. See if you can get him for cheap. I mean, here's the question, right? Christian Pulisic, if you were a club, do you try to shortchange Chelsea and say, here's... Here's $55 million and you take him off his books and try to see if you could get him to to produce. I mean, you know you're going to make a lot of a lot of money selling kits, especially if he goes to Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe Juventus. Um, I, I just don't know. If he stays in the Premier League, great. He's still going to attract big dough. But I, think, I don't think he does well in the Premier League. I think it's a stylistic thing of the league that doesn't suit Christian Pulisic's game because I think he's going to get worn down way too quickly because he's an explosive player in the in the Premier League is just so physical. If he can't do it in the Premier League, how is he supposed to do it in CONCACAF, Stephen? Oh, because CONCACAF is a cake. <laughs> this was a, this was that's like there's a difference subtle jab fighting. at Bruce Arena, by the way. There yeah. is a different. I, I I mean. I, I I think the the argument actually is valid. You know, the idea that Pulisic's style of play is concerning, to say the least, given the, you know, what he's going to face in CONCACAF. You know, it's a very physical league. You know, the rough and tumble of the, uh, you know, the the SEC, the SEC, you know, the the rough, the South Conference is uh, not Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, but Honduras, uh, Guatemala, and Trinidad and Tobago. He's going to take hits. And, you know, for a player what of game, Pulisic... Sorry to interrupt, JJ, but... What what game was it that he got knocked around like so much? Was it the Costa Rica game? In, in, but I, I remember Costa Rica was the one where we lost and that happened. Yeah, and and he, and it, 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 it's I if I I don't know if I'm just trying to rewrite history, but I remember he was visibly frustrated by the physicality how he just he was just getting knocked around constantly. Yeah, I mean I I would be too. I mean to be fair, you know I what was he seventeen eighteen the last time the World Cup was around. So, you know, there is some level of, you know, you're a teenager. You should be a senior in high school scoring 200 goals in the Pennsylvania Class A youth circuit. Um, instead, you're trying to carry your national team almost single-handedly to a World Cup. Um, but, you know, at some point, you know, if you're a Christian Pulisic, you're coming from the top level of European soccer, he was at Dortmund time, to getting your ass kicked by, you know, Guatemala or, you know, Trinidad and Tobago. And it's working. You know, they, they put out a strategy. Costa Rica was the most, I think, effectual example. Well, they said, well, he's a kid, and we think we can man-mark him out of the game. We can enforce ourselves on him, and he's not going to make that big of a difference. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and I think, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, 
concern that's going to come with that because he's a player that is probably, given his injury history so far, given the way he plays, going to put himself at risk of injury. Just, you know, in the way that, and it's a good trait, but the way he goes at every ball, full speed ahead, the way he goes up for every header, no matter where he is on the field, it's got to put you in concern for, you know, is he going to extend something? Is he going to tweak something? That's not something you want to have com- compounded by, you know, 200-pound guy or men running around trying to clatter him every time he gets in the ball. So I think there's a difference between, you know, the top-level professionals who have, you know, are in the Premier League with Burnley doing it and, you know, guys who are just coming out to show up for Trinidad and Tobago who, you know, in, in their current state, you know, really are just not at the top level you know, doing it, but I think the, the prototype, the, the blanket concern that a player with injury histories could get targeted by rough hits, I think that's pretty valid. So here's my thing on this. Uh, when you're the guy, I mean, let, man, we're, we're do, we're, we love the, uh, the cross-sport references here on the show. Uh, let's do hockey now. We haven't done hockey yet, so we'll do hockey. Uh, all right, Stephen, or... Uh, yeah, I'll do Steven here because I actually don't know JJ's favorite hockey team. I'm pretty sure it's the Devils, but I'm pretty sure I can't name anybody in the Devils because Martin Brodeur retired like five or six years ago. And I don't think Corey Schneider's the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper, the goaltender anymore. Uh, Hersher, I don't know. He was the first number one overall pick a couple years ago. Anyway, I don't know anyone on the Devils. I apologize. So is Taylor Hall still a Devil? No. Okay. Yeah, because everyone hates Taylor we have, Hall. We have e boy Gretzky, Jack Hughes. That's Jack Hughes. That's our new hero. Everybody hates Taylor Hall. Anyway, uh, so okay, we'll use the we'll use Boston. We we'll use the Bruins here. Let's imagine the Buffalo Saber. No, Taylor Hall is a. He's an. We're no. stick, we're yeah, stick, he's a Buffalo we're stick, Saber. We're sticking to soccer here. Let's come on. All right. Let me let me do this stupid reference here, so I can get, make yeah. Circle come back. on. So it goes full No one's here, here for hockey. Let's just say the Boston Bruins. I know they're the best team in hockey right now, or one of the best teams in hockey. No, they're right not. Now. But okay, they're not. But they play. Be that as it may. Let's just say they have like one really good player. Let's say it's Travis uh, Pasternak. I believe is is uh is the guy. Uh, Pasternak. Pat, whatever the hell his name is. You get you get in the playoffs and the you get in a seven game series and these the opposing team just keys on guys like that. They you know they run them into the boards. They rough them up every chance they get. I feel like when you're a team of the U.S. men's national team stature, uh, where Christian Pulisic is your best player, the best player you're going to face, yeah, you're going to kick him in the ass. You're going to, you know, bully him around a little bit. Now, he's not the, not the best player in Chelsea. I think there's an argument to be made that maybe he was the best player in Chelsea uh, when the, the last season restarted. Obviously, he carried them to the Champions League. I think there's a very good argument to be made there. Um, I think... Question of the day. I don't know if we can throw this out there. Are, is there any reason for concern with Pulisic's lack of playing time since uh, Tuchel has taken over Chelsea? Um, for me, and listeners let us know at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod, for me, I'm not concerned because I think when you see reports on the Daily Mail that link him to Liverpool, Man United, Bayern Munich, there's obvious interest there. Those are top clubs. This isn't like, oh, Southampton's interested in taking Pulisic on loan, Jake, and that's his best option. The, the, yeah, but the question is, of course, there's interest in them. If I don't, the question, okay, there's interest, yes, but is the interest in the players? Because they can get a good value, and there's a good potential return on ROI, return on investment with Christian Pulisic, or is it because he's genuinely a good player? And I think he showed last summer he's genuinely a good player. I think there was an argument to be made last summer he was clearly the best player on Chelsea. He literally pulled them into the Champions League. I mean, they weren't that... If I remember correctly at the restart, I don't think they were a top-four club. And granted, I think... Was it Leicester and Sheffield United kind of fell off the face of the earth uh, after the restart? Um, yeah, Leicester got screwed. Yeah, and Sheffield United definitely got screwed. I mean, they're, they've been in free fall since the restart <laughs> as they fired their manager this weekend. Um, but I, I think he's got the talent to be a world-class player. I just think it it just isn't working out for him at Chelsea. And we have a comment here from Soccer Basher 10. He wants Ch- uh, Pulisic to go back to Germany because he knows the league. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that, whether that's Dortmund, which I don't think it would be Dortmund. I don't think Dortmund would take him back. But I, I think Bayern Munich, I think he would get playing time uh, consistently at Bayern Munich. Now, and then we have, we have the J, JJ I, stance, which is he's not going anywhere because they're not going to get screwed out of however many millions of dollars they're going to well, yeah, flush exactly. in the toilet that's, with the transfer. That, that's the thing with, with, with what JJ is saying is I think is 
completely correct. Why would Chelsea? That's why Chelsea has the. This is why Christian Pulisic really has no leverage. He cannot. He's stuck with the contract. Great, he's making all this money, but. A, if you're a U.S. men's national team play uh, fan, you want him to play regardless of whatever club he is. He needs consistent playing time, okay? That's the first thing. Secondly, he's stuck on this contract, so Chelsea doesn't need to get rid of him yet. He can keep him on – they can keep him off the bench or whatever they want with Tuchel. Christian Pulisic cannot sit there and try to get him to another club. I mean, yeah, maybe he can eventually get upset by it, but he's, what, 20 – he's a young player do you really think it's going to warrant him well long term for him to be upset by this and other clubs look at him going like well you're just going to cry baby why don't you just I don't think he's cried at all actually he's been no he's not but if he were to put up that fight it's going to not be perceived well by other clubs it wouldn't unless he put his you know actually backed it up if someone took a risk on him and it's like oh Pulisic was he had a he had a gripe to be pissed um the best the best to be we're gonna move on here yeah I know we, we we've uh, we want to talk a couple other gnats abroad here before we uh, uh but he beating this dead horse he, yeah yeah we're beating this dead horse but he he should just go on loan stay at chelsea i don't care just go on loan for a year go reform get reform uh go find your form again go find yourself playing soccer or whatever he needs to do because i i think this is not good for his mental uh being such a young player um, mentally i think this hurts him. We got some live breaking news here. This really doesn't relate to anything. We're, well, it kind of relates. And we're not going to be able to provide any breakdown on this, but we're going to just say it because it kind of ties into what we're talking about Nats abroad right now. Uh, San Antonio this is coming from Paul Tenorio of The Athletic. San Antonio FC's Jose Gallegos, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, 19, is headed to Germany for a two-week training stint slash assessment with Bayern Munich ahead of a potential transfer per a source. Gallegos was a finalist for the 2020 USL Young Player of the Year. So there you have it. We, there you go. We Breaking news on Uncle Sam Soccer. Can't pod. stop. I like it. All we do I is get like talented to Germany. That was JJ who sent this text to us and said, "Hey, we got breaking news." So I, I do have a, a brief comment on this. You know, me and Justin have been on the podcast on record about being the local proponents of college soccer. Well, here's a new. We found a new level. You know, we we made the joke about <laughs> Daryl DK, Virginia. You know, imagine being the imagine being the poli sci major at U at uh, UNC that has to go face Daryl DK on a Thursday night after your lecture. Jose Galagos is a high school soccer alumni. This guy was in the Texas public high school circuit less than a couple years ago and is about to move to Bayern Munich, a team that won the Champions League last year. And, you know, we talk about, well, what if our best athletes played, you know, college <coughs> soccer? What happened to Daryl DK? What happened if we put the U.S. National League players in the high school level? Because this kid was out playing San Antonio Central High ahead of tearing up the USL last year and now potentially heading off to Germany. I just think the, the, the rise from that level of just playing high school ball to going out and, you know, facing potentially the world's best in training if this move goes through, it's got to be, you know, wild to, you know, make that jump in just a few years. Yeah, Justin, it's uh, Keen Parks is also alum of the Texas high school soccer. So good for Texas uh, high school soccer. But but don't isn't this what we want, though? Like, yes, we want the MLS Academy, but we want our high school players making this leap. Not, yes, college players obviously as well, but we want them at 16, 17, 18 making those moves, not 19, 20, and 21. The earlier, the better. So this is good news for U.S. men's national team soccer. We should be applauding this type of move, players taking that risk, because now everyone knows him, and he's always got a fallback here with MLS. Certainly. I think he's he's got a great story, too. You know, you look at, you know, I think hopefully this will be a this will be a, a, a blueprint for some of these USL clubs. You know, clearly a very talented player at the high school level. Doesn't go to an MLS club, gets assigned with a USL team, San Antonio SC or FC. Yeah, San Antonio whatever. Um, and really lights it up with them. You know, they not a player that they saw coming out of, you know, college that they wanted to take a flyer on, not a you know, an MLS guy that they wanted to bring down. He came out of high school and he immediately succeeded. He was a crucial player for them as they, you know, had a pretty good season, and now they're probably going to get a tidy fee off him as uh, Germany comes calling. Hell yeah, and, and um, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for the U.S. Men's National Team, Jake. I I, I don't know. We we've got a load a boatload of players here. We want to talk about Chris Richards, Josh Sargent, 
Uh, Timothy Way, uh, Weston McKinney, Brian Reynolds, and Roma, who let's, had a disaster. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's lightning round this a little bit here, because I, I kind of want to touch on a little bit of Olympic qualifying too with JJ to kind of give his, his his assessment of the roster there. Um, so we'll do a, do a lightning round here. Uh, Chris Richards, um, future center back pairing with uh, John Brooks. I would assume he has to be right. That's that's the tandem here for 2022 and maybe 2026. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't or, see why not. or would Brooks be a little too old for twenty twenty six? I mean, I think I'm, it's center back's position you can have experience at. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you, yeah. If what's he thirty two? I think around around then. Like, I mean, obviously it's player dependent, but I don't see. I don't think you could like necessarily factor him out of the picture at that time. Chris Richards also this past week basically stated, "quote We want to win the World Cup right in twenty twenty six." So I don't this think that, I don't of, think that's unreasonable by the way either. No, I don't think that's unreasonable. But it means they're internally talking about it amongst the players, and the question is: is are they going to get to are they going to get ahead of themselves? I don't know if they will or will not, but it's good. I think this is a good sign. They understand, they understand the drive of this federation, and not that they're going to fully comprehend the disaster of the 2018 qualifying, but I mean, you know, Christian Pulisic was part of it. You know, th- this could be a great story for the Federation. Not that they have to go on and win it, but it's good. It's good news that you have these young players uh, playing in, in, in Germany regularly. And, you know, Chris Richards a couple years ago was, again, in, in, at the, in Dallas. And he was a nobody for in, in a short few years. Now here, here he is leading, could be the potential starting center back. Uh, for the next generation of U.S. men's national team, he could be the starting center back at Bayern Munich next year, depending on upon how well this Hoffenheim yeah. loan spell goes. Here, uh, next yeah. we have a trio of strikers: uh, Josh Sargent, Werder Bremen, Daryl DK Barnsley, and Jordan. I can't say his last name. Can you, uh, Stephen? You're French. You know French. Yet you're not French. Is it Sabatchu? Sabatchu. Is that how you say it? We're gonna go with that. Yeah, Young Boys. Listeners in the comments, let us know. Give me the phonetics on that one. At Young Boys. Jordan uh, is Jordan S present. Uh, all right, so Sergeant three goals in three games before Sunday's loss to Bayern. DK has three goals in nine appearances for Barnsley, uh, starting consistently. And Sabachu has nine goals, two assists in Swiss in the Swiss Super League. Uh, scored three of Young Boys' six goals against Leverkusen in the Europa League. Uh, and I think you can probably throw. I don't know. Is Timothy Weah in the striker? conversation too or i mean could you could you throw him in that in that role you could probably you could use him there so i think it's probably worth bringing like you know he, he's probably if, if the u.s men's actually messed the lineup right now he's probably in the winger role but probably you, know, right you, could winger, use, right? you could use him as a striker so i think it's fair to put so him there who i mean you, let's say we have a world cup qualifier tomorrow who's your starting strikers I, I would assume it's between sergeant and dk right dk he's i don't know he just i, I have a I, bad I, take on this uh, is it Josh's it artist? Yeah, me, I think we but, actually had uh, this conversation no. a few shows ago. <laughs> but no, I, I will take this opportunity to, um, you know, kind of put a shout out to Josh Sargent and Chris Richards while we're at it. I've been agnostic on both Sargent and Richards for some time, kind of thinking that they're good, but also the product of a, of a you know, American youth hype machine that just wanted to see players be, you know, really good and kind of not to inflate their abilities, but kind of made their performances better than they were. Mm. And I'm really happy that I both like of them take. in the last month or so have really, yeah. Richards has really turned a corner, I think. He's gone from, you know, a player that's not just at the top level, but is also performing at the top level. He's no longer just, well, he's at Bayern, so he has to start. Now he's starting because he's a player that is, you know, in the top flight of Germany and looks like he belongs. So, and I'd much rather have a player that is, looks like a very good starter for a solid uh, Bundesliga team than a player that should be starting just because he's on the Bayern Munich roster and doesn't play. Same applies to Sargent. I, I... I think Sargent had more of the hype than Chris Richards. I don't know. Maybe just because Chris Richards came from the FC Dallas product. And I think there is there is a certification or some sort of reliability out of the FC Dallas factory that you can say, okay, yeah, you know, you, you can trust it. They're not going to always hit, but, oh, you know, yeah, you can trust it more. So I think Sargent was a little bit more unknown. But I think it's good. Again, you know, it's positive news. Yeah, I, I want DK just because I like the player. Personally, I just like him. Why not? I think it'd be a great story. Keep in Sergeant, mind too, on the other hand, he's keep in mind he's young. I just I, I just don't know. I mean, Jars- Sardes would be good. I'm Like I said, I, I said this on the pod, I think last two weeks ago uh, when we had uh, 
former host Armand on, I, I think, or was it even three weeks ago when, when we were with Justin, where I think we're starting to see where MLS players on the national team are going to fizzle out. Yeah, maybe you'll get the youngsters, the, the youngest, you know, the, the fill-outs of the roster might be MLS-based, but I think majority, of the, I think the starting 11 will all be based in Europe, apart from the goalkeeping spot. Yeah. I mean, I think Sargent, you know, I, I think part of his hype was he got his, like, proper debut at a much younger, like, I don't know how old he was, but I was like a junior in high school when he first started scoring for Bremen. And I think a lot of people or no one really realized that it was kind of because Bremen is a god-awful team up front that, you know, they were just throwing a, you know, an 18-year-old or however he was up there and he was doing well. Um, so, and I think he's kind of, it's it hasn't been his own fault that it's cooled off since then, but, you know, it's kind of quickly become realized that, you know, the attack is pretty tepid and as a result, so has his performance been. And, you know, if he can keep up his goal record, uh, I don't really, you know, I I don't, you know, hate Brennan. I think they play they play their style of football. Good for them. They've managed to stay up in the last few years. Good for them. But the fact that he's able to score now is just, you know, another, you know, a, a validation of the hype he was getting three years ago. And I'm very happy for him because I, I think it was kind of starting to swing back on the, you know, you you get the hype and then he's not scoring for three years consistently. It's kind of swing back to, well, he's not good. No, he's the same player he was three years ago. It's just kind of he's become stale in the sense that. He's still out there. He's just no longer a fresh, new, young face in Bundesliga. He's now a guy that's been there for three years and still hasn't really broken out fully yet. Justin and I had this conversation probably a couple months ago on how we think that Josh Sargent's career trajectory may have benefited him going to a lesser league like the Netherlands or something like that to where he can play for in a league where he can score some goals and kind of get, figure out how to finish because I don't think Werder Bremen is going to do a good job of kind of cultivating that talent for him. Um, if I were to, to kind of circle back on who's starting, if if you had to put a gun to my head, I'm probably picking Sargent as of today. However, I think, I mean, we saw the report earlier this week uh, with DK, there was a $10 million transfer put in a request to Orlando City to buy him from one of the top six clubs in the Premier League for next season. I think that, if he continues to score goals at Barnsley, I mean, he's going to. I am of the opinion that if he keeps scoring goals at Barnsley, he's going to sell for more than Almiron scored or sold for when he went to Newcastle. And at that point, I think then you're looking at your future number nine. But I think right now it's Sargent. But if DK keeps up this form, run of form at Barnsley and he gets moved to, say, Manchester City or Liverpool or Tottenham or wherever and he's scoring goals like crazy. Um, I mean, it's hard. It's kind of hard to say it's Sergeant or Zardes at that point. So that's kind of where I, where I stand at this. Uh, we saw uh, let's one last player here. We saw a big, big. I'm using air quotes for those who can see me. A big debut today from uh, Brian Reynolds at Roma, and it was a disaster. I think I turned on that game. I I saw my Twitter feed kind of light up like, oh, Reynolds is being subbed on, and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this game on ESPN Plus for the last. 20 minutes or however long, 25 minutes or whatever. And, man, I could not have been more unimpressed with the performance I saw. I don't know, JJ, if you watched him play at all when he got subbed on, but I saw a player that just stood there that didn't know what the hell to do, didn't really, just kind of nonchalantly jogged here and there. I, I, he made one good run where uh, he made that you know, it's like that we have it, the, the defender or whatever on the flank there and you pass it kind of towards like the top of the box there and you make that quick run in behind to get that like little give and go there when you're making that run in behind the defender. They did that. The pass got intercepted by the defender and kicked out of bounds. Um, it was such a bad performance. I don't know how he's going. Like, how, you, you get your debut. It's one game. Yes, let's but let's overreact. be real though. He's. I, I don't know how you look at that. You're playing Parma who was... Yeah, the time was they supposed to be a game in 12, 17 games. Yeah, Parma they're gonna be they're gonna be relegated. You're playing Parma and you're down two nothing, and then you're like, all right, let's put this kid out there that we just got from Dallas. And that was the performance he turns in. Like, I don't know, is he gonna be part of the? Is he even gonna be named to the the uh, matchday squad next week? I mean, I I, 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 I thought it was a bad. I thought it was bad. And yeah, it was a bad performance, but it's one. Let's just, yeah, it's one, but it's it's your debut. You does think? he learn from it? Does he improve? That's the question we should be asking. If he does not improve, or if this is consistent, then Roma, ooh, I think Roma is going to sit there and go, we just did what? 
uh, you know, he, he might. But then again, does he does he play enough? I, again, it's it's the consistency. It's so hard for I think players to get thrown out there for thirty minutes when they don't have. Yeah, they train every day, but you know, it's a lot different when the minutes start to matter and every second counts. And you know, your club's future, depending on where they play in the Champions League, promotion, rele- relegation, etc., is dependent on it. You don't have that same pressure in training. Yeah, I have two takes in this. The first one is kind of the more optimistic one, where you know he, you know, I I agree with Jake's assessment, having watched you know the tape. I, I didn't watch it live, but I went back and watched it because it's only like thirty minutes. Um, I, I thought he looked kind of lackadaisical. I thought he, you know, looked not just like the the hustle wasn't there, but it also looked like he just didn't really know what he was supposed. Like it wasn't just a lack, like he was running around like a chicken with his head cloth. It just looked like he didn't really know what to do. Full stop. So the optimistic take on that I have would be. Well, you know, it's his first game. Maybe the manager, you know, isn't really clear. Maybe he's, you know, he, you know, something will need to be worked out. And they'll figure it out. You know, he'll he'll learn the tactics. He'll learn the setup, and he'll fit in nicely. The more pessimistic, worst case scenario I have in my head is Roma knew Roma bought him. Not that they didn't think he's a good player, but with the impetus on, you know, being able to make a profit off him. My kind of backdoor concern with the the influx of Americans is, you know, teams used to. Uh, get Americans for nothing out of the academies. That is gone, thankfully. But now you can kind of go to a 2.0 of that where you get, you know, American. Brandles didn't go for pennies either. He went for a good fee. But, you know, they thought, well, $9 million for a 19-year-old who's very, very good. You know, we buy him. He, you know, performs. And then, you know, in three years, either we sell him to an MLS club for a good fee. We sell him elsewhere in Europe for a good fee. And I don't, I hope this isn't what happened. And I don't think it's what happened. But kind of the backdoor concern I have is they, they teams are going to start stashing American players, younger ones in particular, knowing that the market value on these guys with the hype around them, with the you know the dollars to be gotten in shirt sales and all that, will pay them off no matter how good they are you know on the field. Because Reynolds, Reynolds could be terrible for you know a, a two years at Reynolds at uh, Roma, and guys like me will tune in every week because there's a young American playing one of the best clubs in the world. So. You know, the, and I'm not going to deny it that, you know, because I do it, the money is out there to make back your investment on these players just by what they bring to you in marketing. So my concern is that they're going to use players like Reynolds as not that they, Reynolds is obviously a talented player. I don't think Roman thinks he's bad, but could the priority, is the priority on marketing or is the priority on how does Reynolds fit into this team? And I'm hoping it's just the case, the first, where he needs to get better instructions and, you mm-hmm. know, he'll sort yeah, it out. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Uh, I, I think JJ, you're right. I think this isn't this. I, I wonder how many cl- how many clubs in Europe do you think? Ooh, American money. Like, how many of them think of the of the marketing dollars more so than the football? I mean, there's got to be a, a several. Not that. I mean, majority. if you have the big ones, you you definitely have a brand impetus, even if it's not like TV dollars. Like, just to be able to get your logo on Americans, you know, get your logo on a jersey and some, you know, if you're walking around guy in a walking around in a Roma, Roma jersey on the train station, you know, maybe it's not exactly, you know, going to directly give Roma money, but, you know, that's how many people is like, hey, it's a pretty cool jersey. Let me check this team out. And, you know, maybe they become a fan. So, and yeah, I think you see that with all the ways these teams are investing into, you know, youth clubs, for example, and all these other, you know, ways of kind of getting their name out there. And even if it's not directly impacted, I think there's probably a lot of Particularly big clubs, you know, because if you're a small club, you're not wasting your money on trying to get Americans to notice. You're, you're you're spending your money trying to you know save up or trying to get better in the you know your team wise. But if you're a team that like Roma, who you know is going to challenge for the title, is you know financially secure, you can afford to you know buy a player with the knowledge you know perhaps taking precedent that he's going to grow your brand. And uh, you know hopefully this isn't Reynolds' case, but. I also don't think there is no marketing precedent to uh, have concern that they would have bought that with that knowledge. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm overreacting to a bad performance, but I just wasn't impressed. I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. All right, um, we wanted to kind of talk about this a little bit more extensively, but we've gone, we've gone. Uh, we're kind of getting ear towards the end of the show here with our time Next constraints. Episode. I Next wanna, episode we'll, tease. Let's uh, we're, we'll touch on this here five for five minutes, and then we'll touch on the last half for another five minutes here. Um, the U.S. the, the under twenty three roster was announced for the Olympic qualifiers coming up this week. Uh, uh, first match U.S. versus Costa Rica Thursday, March eighteenth at six 
30 Eastern. That's on FS1. Uh, there'll be another match next Sunday. Actually, I'm not sure how we're going to make that work next Sunday during our live stream. I don't know. Yeah, we, uh, maybe, can, maybe we can watch it. Maybe we can watch it. Maybe we can stream afterwards. We'll see. Yeah. Um, kind of an on-air production meeting there, listeners. Um, Dominican Republic versus uh, the U.S. Sunday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. And then to wrap up uh, the qualifying schedule, Mexico versus the U.S. Wednesday, March 24th at 10 at 30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Now, JJ, you... You pay closer attention to this stuff than uh, Steven and I do, so you're going to be able to do us more justice on this. And since this was kind of a, a, a segment made for you and Justin, we can we can maybe expand on this more when we have games to talk about starting next week. Um, biggest surprises, inclusions, exclusions on this roster? Yeah, so there was there were some interesting uh, you know decisions to be made in this roster, and I think you know it was not you know some decisions that were made without. You know, some degree of commentary by the uh, all-knowing American Twitter mind, uh, Twitter hive mind. Um, kind of the, the big, I'll start with the surprises um, in the left outs. You know, the big kind of question I had and a big question a lot of people had was who's going to be creating from the midfield? You know, the midfield, the raw, the, the solid, the defensive stability in the midfield, the steel in the midfield, I'd say is pretty strong. Andres Perea, you know, good player, very, you know, you know, technically sound, also can win the ball. You know, he's a very good player. Jackson Ewell can distribute from at the base of the midfield. You know, Johnny Cardoso is kind of a, you know, a, a, a eight, but he also probably is a deeper eight than he would be, you know, a, a forward-minded player. And the players left out of the roster, you know, Caden Clark was left off the initial one. Tanner Testman, Eric Williamson, both come to mind as other players. The particular note that I probably would have included on the roster, you know, ahead of Caden and also ahead of the rest of the guys. The guys, you know, Caden, Tanner, and Eric, the guys that get left off are all more creative players. They're guys that can drive the ball forward, the guys that can break lines, guys with a little more uh, attacking mind. And you kind of got to wonder what the system that they're, you know, because if, if we want to, the conventional wisdom here has been the U23 team will probably be a model of a proxy of the, the national team, the full national team. They'll play similar styles. But it's hard to look at the midfield group that uh, Jason Christ has called and see the two kind of all-purpose but also attack-minded eights that you kind of have seen in Greg Berhalter's system. Because Jordy Mihailovic can play there, even though he's probably more of a wide creator than anything, but he, he's one of the two eights. And then at the second eight, it's kind of a question mark. Do you have Jesus Ferreira drop back deep? You know, you saw inklings of him as a 10 at the, when he made his full national team with Trinidad and Tobago. You saw inklings that he could play deeper, but... You know, if he's going to play Burhalter's system, that would require him to be a full-time eight, which we definitely have not seen of him. So I think, based on this initial roster, that we're going to see them play a different style than we've seen from Burhalter's team so far. The question just becomes, what is that style? And are we going to see similar, you know, quirks in which, like, for example, Ferrero drops back and plays deeper in certain situations as a forward? Or are we just going to see an entirely different team outright with new roles, new positions, new schemes? The one interesting call-up that they did include, which I thought was kind of curious, was they did... The, I mean, the, the fullbacks look strong, I think. You know, That's that's my first observation. The first positive one is Aaron Herrera, Aaron Herrera Julian Araujo, and Sam Vines is about as good as you're going to get for American fullback depth. These are three players that have proven themselves at the MLS level. So, you know, obviously not the best of the best in Europe, but, you know, they, they're getting professional minutes. And they're three players who have looked good in the case of Aaron Herrera and Sam Vines, in national team official full call-ups. So I think that's a strong point. But in terms of, you know, players that I'm interested to see that did get the call-up, uh, you know, it's got to be guys like, you know, ben, in the forward spot, guys like Benji Michel and Sebastian Soto, both of who, for different reasons, are pretty unproven at the national team level. Michel is, you know, a rookie from Orlando who kind of got lost in the Daryl DK hype because he was the second forward behind DK. DK became the breakout star, but Michelle quietly put together by any other metric, a very good rookie season. And uh, I'm kind of interested to see how he does. Cause I, I was happy that he got rewarded with this call up. And then Soto is just hard to judge because he hasn't really done anything at the, you know, pro level. He's limited professional minutes. He's in Europe, which is, you know, obviously a great sign, but limited professional minutes in Europe. He hasn't done anything of note for the national team, other than be a very good player with the U 20 team a few years back. So I think behind Ferreira who, and Lewis, who appear to be the presumed forward mainstays, given that they've both done so for the big national team. I think Michelle and uh, Soto, should they get minutes, are going to be players that I, I really want to see what they make of it because you haven't really seen what they've 
what they can do at the national team level so far. There you have it. And listeners, we will talk more about the Olympic national or the, the Olympic qualifying as matches get underway later this week. Like I said, Thursday against Costa Rica, 6.30 Eastern, FS1, and then uh, you know later that uh, next weekend against Dominican Republic, Sunday the 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern, also on FS1. We will we will definitely be chatting about that, or at least those two matches, and we can get more into depth about the, the game and the players and how everything broke out for the U.S. Now, lastly here, before we wrap up here, a couple, couple quick minutes here. Uh, we have the MLS betting odds for the 2021 MLS season via BetMGM. Uh, LAFC are the favorites to win MLS Cup at plus 500. Uh, Seattle Sounders are two at plus 800. And your defending MLS Cup champions, Columbus Crew SC, are plus 900. Um, now, uh, guys, let's uh, quickly here. Seattle loses Morris, likely uh, for the season with the, uh, the blown ACL. Uh, Philadelphia Union... Uh, who are tied for fifth. Their uh, odds are plus 1,200. Uh, they lost uh, Mackenzie and Aronson over the winter to uh, European clubs. Are we surprised to see them both ranked as high as they are or have uh, you know, top five betting odds to win MLS Cup? No. That's it? No? <laughs> no. Because, well, here's the thing is, what, what other club would you replace them with? I mean, I don't know. Sporting Kansas City? Yeah. <laughs> Orlando City. I don't maybe? know. Sporting Kansas. What has Sporting Kansas City done the last couple of years that has said, "Yeah, you know, they're they're on their up." They're just one of those teams that's like always surprised. Like you, you never look at the roster and think this is a team that's going to compete. But you know, every year they're a team that's greater. And you know, I, I think this is a very fine business model that Nashville FC kind of built off of. And you know, it's they're a team that's greater than the sum of their parts. You know, you don't see. And I kind of doubt that they'll ever actually, you know, make it to that top of the top MLS Cup level. But every year they're probably going to contend just because Verms knows how to make his team work as a unit. They're greater than the sum of their parts and they compete. But, you know, I, I kind of subscribe to the theory that if you don't have at least one player that's above, you know, above the, the or is in the elite tier of MLS talent, he doesn't need to be like, Yosef Martinez is like the best, one of the best players, if not the best player in the league by some distance. You don't need to have that. Better than Vela, huh? like Unless you have a, at least one player that's in the elite tier somewhere, I think you're going to struggle to really, you know, win the MLS Cup because you kind of need to have a difference maker. You know, it's, it's a tired term, but it also I don't think is entirely wrong and that they're very important. The one team, if we can kind of talk about a different tangent of betting odds that I thought was way too high was NYCFC. They've had a pretty yeah. nonchalant offseason after a pretty bad regular season. Like, I'm just kind of confused because they didn't light it up last year. They didn't really make any big moves this year. General sentiment I've seen around the fan base is they're discontented with how it's been. But I believe they're fourth in terms of odds to win the MLS Cup. I mean, even if you think they're going to rebound and have a better year than last year, yeah, I wouldn't put them in that like immediate tier of qualification for the Cup. Uh, we have a comment here on YouTube. Raymond Orozco chiming in here saying, come on, everybody knows it's the uh, LA Galaxies year. Yeah, is this the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. I, maybe, uh... for best jer- maybe for best jersey. Maybe for best sure. jersey. I don't know. I don't know. They might be... I mean, I'm going to say something kind of contra- I don't. No, I'm not going to make a prediction on LA Galaxy. I wouldn't be shocked if they were one of the worst teams in the West this year. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're, we're talking... Speaking of odds... Uh, as as we wrap the show, JJ, who's uh, winning March Madness? You got. Well, oh wait, I you, you skipped you skipped the MLS I... Cup thing here. Best value bet. I, listeners can't oh, see I'm it. Oh, I'm sorry. Listeners can't see it. So uh, JJ, you can see it. I mean, let's say you you, you know you got a hundred grand or whatever. You're in Vegas. Who are you putting your money on? I put. I'd say my best value bet was Portland because not because I think they're necessarily the favorites to win the MLS Cup, but I do think. At the, I, I think they were like a middle-of-the-pack team in the rankings. I don't have the exact number because it's on a different tab. But, you know, for a middle-of-the-pack team, I think Portland's a team that has a reputation of, you know, being able to put together cup runs. They have, you know, Diego Valeri, who's obviously a top-tier player. And, you know, I just think they're a team that, you know, if you want to make a safe bet for a team that's going to be a good team in MLS and, you know, a team that could give you upside, they've made the cup before, they've won the cup before, I, I think Portland's a very fair pick for, you know, a, a a profit bet, you know, you put a little money down and it gives you good returns in the future. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I got one. Uh, I know because I think you and I have the same one actually. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no. no, no, we don't. Yeah, you do. Unlikely, Jake. It's unlikely we have the same one. It's very likely we have the same one right now. I think I know where you're going, but go, go ahead. Okay, 
All right, no, we can go on three. Let's see if we're. If, all right, if, if on, really... three. We'll say the same. We'll all say right, the same right. time, right? Okay. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Three. Is it, is it on one? Like one, two, three. Three, and then blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay, okay, okay. One, one two, two, three. New Orlando City. Wow. Ooh. Orlando City because of Oscar Pereira. He's been there. He's done that. The team was good last season. They they got into the playoffs, right? They're playing. The fans are going to be invested in the team now. You know Florida is going to allow fans, so they should pick up a lot of points at home. Uh, we'll see what their waveform is. I, I think it's a good bet. I think it's a good money value right there with Orlando City. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, I, I think the South is just going to be a good, like, in terms of a region, Inter-Miami is probably going to suck because, you know, I just think that's a I – mean, I kind of want them to because I think it's hilarious that uh, that experiment has gone totally, you know, downhill. <laughs> Sideways. In in general, I think Orlando is going to be very good. I don't know what they're going to do with the DK situation because realistically, if you're going to have that many teams knocking, you're not going to be able to keep them. But I think you know, if, even if they don't have DK, I think they're they're fine at forward. They're going to find other options, and I think I mean Pato. We'll see what Pato can do. Yeah, no, I mean I think they're going to take a step forward, you know, and be another a, a good team and maybe make it a little far this year. I think Atlanta's going to have a, a. I don't know if they're going to go all the way back to you know full throttle, just dominate the all the way to the cup. I hope they don't as a Red Bulls fan, but I, I do think they're going to be a big change. Like last year they were bad. And I think this year they're going to be good. Uh, maybe they're not going to win the cup, but they're going to, they're going to be a, a very good playoff team again, I think. And Nashville, then, Na- and then Nashville JJ, is the third team. Right now, Nashville is going to be an interesting to follow. There's the fans probably have a little more expectation based on what they just did, but is it fair? No fans. COVID, like, did they just get hot at the right time and just kind of went through the playoffs and then they were, you know? I think what I like about Nashville is I think the approach they took to building their team is not a conventional one, and it's also one of the best ones. They didn't try to, you know, LAFC was, and and, and Atlanta United are the the good examples of, you know, when you're a marquee market, you're going to splash the cash, you're going to bring in a good, top quality players, and they're going to produce. But then Inter-Miami kind of shows what happens when you try to flash the cash and it's just it does not turn out right. Nashville said, well, you know what? We're Nashville. We're not going to be able to get players to come to L.A. or Miami like, you know, you know, it's a pitch that, you know, the Galaxy or LAFC uses. But what we can do is, you know, bring in a core of guys that are going to be able to give us 90 minutes for every game this year, or maybe not every game, but 90 minutes for most games this year, guys who are going to, you know, produce game in, game out, guys that know the league, guys that are going to show well together. And I think it really paid off. You know, they brought in guys like Alex Mule, who, like, they utilized trades, I think, a lot. You know, so they, they worked within the system where Atlanta United tried to break the system and succeeded, where they just, you know, brought in three DPs. You know, they, they wanted the fourth DP because they were that good. And, you know, they won the cup. But Nashville said, okay, well, MLS is a weird league. You know, we have fake money. We have, you know, trades. And, you know, well, here, Red Bulls want $300,000 of our fake money for one of your players that's underappreciated. Sure. And Alex Mule turned out to be a starter on that team that, you know, went in game in, game out. Didn't I don't think he scored any goals. He made a fade, maybe had one. But, you know, he did what they, they wanted him to do, which is press the hell out of the other teams, win the ball back, and be a, you know, a, a, just a, in general, a, a hell to play against, which is what he's best at. And it's a role he thrived in. And it's players like that who just have specific roles and they make the team better as a whole, even if they themselves aren't excelling that Nashville really stockpiled on, and I think Nashville was rewarded handsomely for with a breakout year. And listeners, as, as we wrap up, just so everybody knows, uh, Stephen picked Orlando City at plus 1,800. JJ picked Portland at plus 2,000, and I'm taking New England Revolution at plus 2,500. So when the Revs yeah, win best. this year, I will be filthy rich. Henry Kessler stands in, in hypothetical money. Well, you know, the funny thing is Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod provides you great in-depth hockey analysis, NFL analysis, <laughs> soccer analysis, and now betting analysis. So we are really stepping up our game here. I'll have, you know, I'm up $14 this week on the conference tournament, we're so gonna, I'm clearly an expert we're in gonna, this field. We're going to change the name of this podcast to Uncle Sam's Daily Wager. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have, like, yeah. a can't-lose parlay every week for yeah. MLS games? Yeah, we'll steal that one from part of my take. Uh, I can't lose parlay. Which uh, we'll always Lock it lose. in. Lock the it revolution in. to cover against Nashville FC. Yep. All right, listeners, that's it for today's show. JJ, quickly, uh, who's winning uh, the NCAA tournament? And, uh, yeah, who who you got? Okay. This is a pretty bad take because I, 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 I usually do my first bracket run. It's a speed run where I just go gut instinct. No analytics, no actual tape. Just And my gut instinct says Baylor. 
I think they're a team that kind of lost their hype at just the right time to be good for the tournament because they they didn't they lost in the conference tournament in the semifinal. But I also think you know this is a team that was the best team in the country for most of the year. I don't think Gonzaga has the juice because the team that looks perfect is never perfect. So I think Baylor's that nice little you know. They got hot at just the right time, and if they do, they're going to be dangerous. There it is. Wolverine. Jay, Bi- Jay, Jay Billis of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It's, it's going to be Michigan. Dickie V. I don't even know any other college basketball. Uh, I'll be Gus Johnson. I'll just start yelling at stuff, and then uh, I'm glad that's a great role to play. Uh, yeah, Gus, yeah. Jo- Gus Johnson wasn't he famous for in the six? Yep. Gus Johnson, you can yell, uh, or you can. Who's the? You got barbecue with that. Bill Bill Raftery is he the one who yells uh, onions? Oh, Bill Raftery. <laughs> There's a lot of good ba- – I was watching Bill Walton last night, and, you know, it, it just lo- – you know, I don't know what he, his pregame routine is, but it looks like he was marijuana. high on his mind mar- in the broadcast. His, pre- his pregame routine's marijuana. Uh, maybe yeah, I should, maybe he that should be He was making animal noises on the broadcast. You know, it's just it's, – it, it, it's not the – it's terrible analysis, but it's hilarious it's, to watch. It's a, yeah, it's a trip. No pun intended. All right, that's it for today's <laughs> show. You can follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSlackerPod, at Stephen Jodder, and at JJ Post, at Justin Sosa. 99 listeners question of the day send them in any reason for concern with the lack of playing time uh christian pulisic has received since thomas tuchel has taken over chelsea let us know on youtube or on twitter uh make sure you subscribe make sure you subscribe to us on youtube on apple on spotify wherever leave us a comment leave us a liking all that good stuff for jj and steven i'm jake we'll talk to you guys next time see ya